If you've uh, brought your Bible this morning, please take that out. If you haven't brought it, bring it along. Make sure you bring it next week. We're going to be heading to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24 this morning. Who's been, uh, who's been enjoying the ashes, the cricket on telly? Oh, yes, a few of us, that's good, I'm not the only one. I was chatting with uh, someone this morning who said that yesterday they didn't have TV reception, they'd used all the internet on their plan, so they couldn't even, I thought, oh, that's just horrendous. What a horrible place to be in. <laughs> Could be a blessing, someone says. I'm not sure about that. Joshua chapter 24. On that note, let's pray. Our Lord, it's good to be in your house today. And what a privilege it is to open up your word, Lord. Give us ears to hear this morning, I pray. Give us hearts that are soft and open to what you would say to us, Lord God. I ask for your help, Lord. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd breathe life into the words I speak that what it is you want to convey to us today, that would be the words that are spoken. Lord, I pray um, that God, we would not just, we would leave here not just the same, Lord God, but we would leave here changed from having met with you, Lord God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. And it starts... Now therefore, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Let's stop there. In fact, we could just kind of end it there or reflect on that one verse and there'd be so much in there that we could take away. Imagine if we all lived in this place. Fear the Lord, living in reverence before Him and serving Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. That right there is a blueprint for a God-honoring, fruitful, blessed life, living our lives in reverence, sincerity, and faithfulness. But it starts off with now, therefore, and I remember I had an old teacher many years ago who would say that whenever you see that word, therefore, you need to ask, what's it there for? Why is it there? And so let me just give a little bit of context this morning to this point that we're at here at the end of the book of Joshua. And the people of Israel were at a place where they have actually come into the promised land, where they have seen God move powerfully, both in their midst and in terms of you know, driving out nations and parting waters and all those incredible things that we read about in Scripture. They've seen Him move powerfully and do wonders amongst them and for them. They've seen His faithfulness in fulfilling His promises. And it's interesting uh, up until the point that they enter the promised land here in Joshua, that every time the Lord references His promise about bringing them into the promised land, it's this land I have given you. It was so um, all said and done in God's eyes, even long before they actually had entered into the promised land. But here we are on the other side of that. They've actually entered into that promise has become a reality. That's where the people of Israel are at at this point. And for Joshua, there was this realization for him that he was coming to the end of his life. And he had led the people faithfully. 
He'd led them courageously. He'd led in obedience to what the Lord was saying for so many years. He'd fulfilled the charge that God gave to him way back in the first chapter of Joshua. The Lord says, you know, you're the one that's going to lead this people into the promised land. Be very strong and courageous. Be very careful to do all that's written in the book of the law. Be strong and courageous. I will be with you. He's fulfilled that charge. And as the Apostle Paul writes, you know, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I believe Joshua is kind of in that same place. He could claim those words as his own as well having fulfilled the charge and the call that the Lord had put on his life. And so he gathers the people of Israel together, the leaders, everyone, and gives them this charge. He goes through the work of the Lord. He reminds them of all the wonders that God has done. He reminds them of his goodness and his faithfulness to his promises. And so it's in light of all this and against this backdrop of God's faithfulness that he gives the people this charge. So that's why it's there. That's why it's there. Now, therefore, because of all of this, because of all that the Lord has done, live in reverence, serving Him in sincerity and faithfulness. So let's read on. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land, Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You're not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. Some weighty stuff in there, I think, today. And, you know, what can we take away from this charge that Joshua gave to the people of Israel? You know, what can we take away for us today in 21st century Canberra, Australia? I believe that there is much here that applies just as much, if not more, to us today as we seek to follow Jesus and live lives that bring glory to Him. I believe that this is a time for reverence, living in reverence before the Lord. I believe this is a time for serving Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. And in fact, I believe that is what we are called to do, how we are called to live as His people. And so my heart this morning is to hopefully in some way, bring a call to devotion. That as we consider the charge given to the people of Israel here, that we would also consider our own hearts and lives. That we would consider what has the focus and attention of our heart, that the Lord would truly be the center in our lives. 
And so a big part of this is found in the phrase, choose this day whom you will serve. And we'll, we'll get to that, I'll visit that a little bit later as we go on this morning. But I, I thought I'd just start with a little bit of a disclaimer today before we get too far into it that it's perhaps not as a, much of a warm and fuzzy kind of message as we like to hear from time to time. But hopefully that's okay. But also I'm feeling a bit fired up or stirred in this particular area of being a people who are devoted to the Lord, of being a people who are a wholehearted people. I feel like it's, it's so important and something that the Lord's been highlighting certainly to me and hopefully for us as his people who gather here at Vision as well. And so there are three things that I just want to bring out of this charge that Joshua gives to the people of Israel that I believe are, are still relevant for us today. First of all, there is a call for us to put away. To put away the gods as Joshua says here, the foreign gods that are among you. To put away the idols, those things that can distract our heart's attention from the Lord. And there's a, there's a quote, you perhaps have heard it. It says, you know, the thing that we learn from history is that we don't actually learn anything from history. And if we look at the history of God's people throughout Scripture, how time and time again it was like the Lord delivered them, rescued them, and yet again they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord delivered and rescued them, and again they turned their hearts away. Well, as I look around in our society we live in, even the church, unfortunately, today, it, says we, it shows that we haven't learned all that much from the lessons of God's people here that we see in Scripture. He says, put away the false gods. Of course, he's talking about their the history where they'd come from, where the Lord had called them from, but also the time in Egypt as well where they would you know, engage with foreign gods and we know the history um, even once they come into the promised land. And I just, I don't know about you, but whenever I read through the history of God's people here, I, I think, I can't help but think, you know, they'd seen the Lord move powerfully. They'd seen Him work incredible wonders and miracles amongst them they'd seen him bring them into the promised land out of the land of slavery like how could they entertain foreign gods after having seen what they had seen and experienced what they had experienced but then as soon as we kind of get down that path of like oh, how can they do this and judging what we see i think it's always important to examine our own hearts and search our own hearts because for most of us here this morning, most of us have experienced the wonder and of the grace of God. We've experienced His mercy, His love, His forgiveness, His salvation, you know, His, His faithfulness, all these incredible things that the Lord has done for us and shown to us through the, through the work of Jesus on the cross. How can our hearts not be fully devoted to Him? How can we entertain the pursuit of other things that steal away our attention, our devotion, our love for Jesus? So I don't know about you, but before I find myself just pointing the finger too much, and how could the people of Israel do that? We need to examine, I need to examine my own heart and life as well, as do all of us. Because I think about all the times in my own life where, you know, I've missed moments with the Lord, where I've failed to heed His voice, where I've not fully given in my attention because of other things. 
There's things that get in the way, whether it be, for me, sport, whether it be the to-do list, whether it be work, whether it be just because we can't be bothered. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live missing those moments. I don't want to live distracted and not fully devoted before the Lord. And so for us today in this society, in the nation that we live in, it's easy to think, well, I don't have idols. I haven't set up any statues or shrines to worship at. But where do our hearts really lie? It's a little bit more subtle than just idols of wood and stone. It's the attention and the focus and what our hearts are set upon. I've recently uh, had a time of holiday with my family. We went away just down the coast for a little bit. It was a great time of relaxing and refreshing. And one thing I love about going away is just having a bit more space. Uh, And part of that space is reading, which I enjoy doing when I have the time and when I'm not falling asleep in the evening because of being too tired. I read this book while I was away called Killing Kryptonite by John Bevere. It was uh, one that really stirred my heart, one that was encouraging, challenging, and well worth a read. But he looks at what steals our strength and our effectiveness as Christians. Obviously, kryptonite being Superman, the substance that stole Superman's strength and effectiveness. And he he kind of looks at a a whole lot of things, but particularly this area of sin and idolatry, and how if it's left unchecked, if it's not put away as it should be that it can actually take away our effectiveness and our strength as Christians not putting it away personally and corporately has ramifications so why put away why put away those things those idols those distractions those foreign gods because if we truly want to honor the Lord if we truly want to reverence him and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness There are some things that just need to be put away. Some things that just need to go. In Hebrews chapter 12, the first couple of verses there, just a wonderful passage of Scripture that says, you know, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off, let us lay aside the the weights, the sin that can cling so closely so that we might run with endurance and perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us look to Jesus how easily the focus of our hearts can be distracted, especially in our society or, yeah, this society that, if we're honest, is fairly comfortable. There are so many things that can distract our hearts. I've shared before about my faithful canine companion, my dog, Jonty is his name. He's going well. I've had some training, and he's, he's settling down a little bit, which is great. But uh, I... You know, take him for walks pretty much every day, take him for a run, let him off the lead. There's a particular oval just near our house that is at the back of a primary school and it's fenced most of the way around. So I like to take him there, let him off the lead, give him some freedom, opportunity to run around and sniff around and all those things. And there's a pathway that goes down the side of this oval that I, I keep my eye on, you know, just to make sure that if other dogs or other people walking come along, he's not going to be um, cause any issues. And so sometimes dogs come when they, you know, they just come from nowhere. And I see them, and just at the moment, he, the dog sees them as well. And it's like, come, come. And when there's no other distractions around, I'll add, he comes really well. He's very obedient. 
But at this point, when there's other distractions, another dog, he's, it's like he looks at me. And he looks over at the other dog. And he looks at me. I'm like, come, come. He looks over at the other dog. He, and, then he, and then he goes to the other dog. He <laughs> gives in to the temptation. I've got to go and collect and apologize to the people. And Yes, much to my frustration. You know, then the, the frustrating thing is, is that, you know, he's, he's kind of hit the jackpot with me. But that's what my doc, dog trainer says anyway. I feed him. We give him a safe place in his yard. He gets exercise every day. He's got a kennel, all that kind of, all that kind of thing. Everything that he needs, I provide for him. And yet, and yet, when another dog walks past, he doesn't remember all those things that I've done. He only thinks of what's there now, how easily his heart gets pulled in another direction. And I know that he wants to do the right thing. You know, he looks up with those big eyes, and I, I know that he wants to please and do the right thing. And yet, sometimes the lure of something else, of another dog, is just too strong. How often can we be like that? We've hit the jackpot with the Lord. Everything that we need, he provides. In place of our ashes, He's given us beauty. He's given us grace and mercy for our sin and shame. He's showed His faithfulness time and time again, even when we're faithless. Yet, how often do we wander or our attention gets distracted when something that we feel is more appealing comes up? And sometimes it's not even just a momentary distraction, but something that if we're not careful we can give ourselves over to or it can turn into something far more serious. So let me ask you this morning, and I include myself in this as well, what are the things in your life that distract your heart's attention from the Lord? Dare I say, what are the idols in your life? Perhaps the Lord has highlighted something straight away. Perhaps He'll do so as we as you leave here from, from here this morning. But let me encourage all of us here today, it's time to put away those things that steal our attention, our affection, our heart's devotion, those things that we put in place of God in certain areas of our lives. It's time to put away living for our own fleshly desires. It's time to put away making it all about us, putting God at the center again. And you know, we hear that and we think, okay, yeah, I feel the Lord's highlighting this. And you know, sometimes it's hard to do it on our own. So let me encourage you today that if there's something that the Lord's put on your heart and you, you want to bring it before the Lord today and leave it at the altar, come forward for prayer at the end. There's a prayer team fired up and ready to go to just pray for you. Or it might be that you seek out some counseling. It might be that you seek out some accountability with trusted people to help you in whatever area it might be. There's a call for us to put away, just as there was for the people of Israel. Secondly, this morning, there was a call for us to serve the Lord. And it's interesting here in verse, uh, the end of verse 14 where it says that there's this progression. Put away those things, those false gods, and serve the Lord. It's like our resolution or our response to the putting away, to getting rid of that stuff so that we can then come unhindered 
to serve the Lord. And to serve is to worship, to obey, to fear God. And in this charge that Joshua gives, and really we don't have time, but if we read the previous chapter as well, chapter 23 of Joshua, there's this particular focus that he has, the language that he uses. It's all about the Lord. In chapter 23, there are are moments where he says, you know, be very careful to love the Lord. Be very careful to live according to the word, all that's written in the word. Cling to the Lord, that sense of being faithful. And that word there, you can find it in Joshua 23, verse 8. You shall cling to the Lord your God. That same word is, is used for in Genesis where it says, clinging or cleaving. You know, man shall leave his father and mother and cling to or cleave to his wife. That, that sense of being in covenant, of being faithful, of forsaking all others to be faithful to your spouse alone. And that's the picture that Joshua is painting here and in the chapter that we have read, putting aside all those other things that will cause us to be unfaithful so that we can then serve the Lord in faithfulness. The people of Israel, as I've touched on already, they'd experienced great blessings. The Lord had brought them into the land of promise. And you know, I feel like Joshua knew the issues that complacency and comfort would bring. I believe he was concerned with, you know, would they be willing to serve him? Yes, in the battle when the pressure's on a little bit, when the Lord's got to kind of come through so that the nations are driven out so they can come into the land. Yes, of course, he's concerned whether they would serve him there. But I believe he was concerned with whether they would serve them particularly in the time of blessing, in the time of being in the promised land. And for us, perhaps that is the difficult part, staying faithful to God after we've received much blessing or come into the promises that he has given to us. Because there is an ease that can come with blessing that can actually be a subtle enemy of serving God in sincerity and faithfulness. I came across a An interesting quote this week that I thought had merit and weight for this morning. It says, The best test of sincerity is not always the open hostility of foes, for this often braces up the energies of combat, while at the same time it makes the path of duty clear. Still less is it at the hour of triumph over our foes. Then there is no temptation to rebel. The real test of our faithfulness to God is in most cases our power to continue steadfastly in one course of conduct, when the excitement of conflict is removed and the enemies with which we have to contend are the insidious allurements of ease or custom amid the commonplace duties of life. I think there's something in that for us this morning because there is no room for comfort or complacency in our pursuit of the Lord. and It's dangerous ground. If you don't believe me, look at Scripture. King David, for example, just before he commits adultery with Bathsheba. It says in the first part of um, that chapter, it says that in the springtime when kings go out to war, so he was meant to be out there leading the people, he was at home, perhaps resting or reveling in the, the victories and things that God had done for him. We see what happened. There are other times throughout the Proverbs, many times of warning against such things. And for us, I think that is the key. Serving Him 
yes, in the times of struggle, when all we have is God to come through, but also in the times when things are a little bit more smooth sailing, continuing to choose to serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness in those times as well. Of course, it's a busy time of year coming into Christmas and all the different things that come with that. But let me encourage us this morning to allow space to reset or realign your hearts where that may be needed, to realign our focus, to strengthen our resolve to serve the Lord. Encourage us to remember the first commandment, to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what I believe Joshua was concerned with as he was giving this charge. Would the people put away those things that need to be put away, but would they serve and love and obey and fear him even now that they're in the promised land? Thirdly, this morning, I believe there's a call for us to choose this day whom we will serve. Choose this day. And when Joshua gives this charge, he made it clear that the people had to make a decision. There was no neutrality, no sitting on the fence. He says, he doesn't say, choose this day if you will serve, or he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And the truth is that everyone will serve someone or something. And Jesus' words echo this charge. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I don't know about you, but that doesn't speak to me of complacency or neutrality of sitting on the fence. It's a very clear choice there, a very clear thing of intention on our part to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. It's not choose tomorrow whom you'll serve. Choose tomorrow when perhaps you've got some things figured out or when you might feel like it a bit more, but choose this day. Choose each day whom we will serve. You might be sitting there saying, well, it sounds a little bit workspace to me, Adam. This whole thing of having to choose this or that, having to put away, having to serve. What about grace covering everything? Well, it's certainly not my heart this morning to make us feel as we leave here like we've got to try harder and work harder and all that kind of thing. I'm all for grace. Of course, it's by grace we've been saved. But we also need to look at at scripture and in scripture the terms expressing the power of choice are used over 4000 times in the bible to me that says that our choices are so significant either for good or for bad and as for grace covering everything well i feel that for too long a false doctrine of grace has actually infiltrated believers and the church unfortunately that grace is somehow a cover up for sin It's not just a cover-up for poor choices or for willful disobedience. And in fact, the Apostle Paul addresses this in Romans, the end of Romans 5 and early part of Romans 6, where he's talking about grace. And he says, you know, what shall we say then? Are we to just go on sinning so that grace may abound? And he very quickly answers that question. By no means. Of course not. Grace is not just a cover-up for sin, but it actually empowers us to live godly and holy lives. It actually empowers us to make choices that will help bring blessing to our lives. And so when we say, choose this day whom we will serve, 
I kind of feel like we need all the help that we can get. And that's where God's grace comes in because the very nature of choosing wisely actually requires his grace. Let's look later, later in the passage where the people say, oh yes, we will serve the Lord. Far be it from us to serve other gods and we'll serve the Lord. And Joshua's like, oh, I've seen what you're like. No, you're not able to do that. I'm sorry. And they say, no, no, yes, Joshua, we will. We will serve the Lord. And we know the outcome as you read throughout Scripture. Time and time again, we see this turning away from God. And you know, it's easy to say we will choose this day whom we will serve. We will choose each day, but we need to commit not just with our words, but with our lives and our actions. And I feel like that's why we need Jesus, why we need His grace. Turn with me quickly and keep your finger in Joshua uh, 24 to Titus chapter 2. I just want to look at this aspect of, of grace and choice and how it all kind of fits in a little bit. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. What do we see here? We see the grace of God. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Wonderful, wonderful picture. But then it goes on to say, yes, it brings salvation, but it actually trains us or teaches us or enables us to say no, which is a choice on our part, to ungodliness and worldly passions. Grace enables us in this journey of choosing this day whom we will serve to put aside those things that need to be put aside and to say yes to Jesus. His grace enables us and empowers us to do that. So when Joshua says, choose this day, he then goes on to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a powerful declaration to make. And in today's world, I believe this is a call to stand up and to stand out. Not simply fit in. It's a bold declaration to make that he made. Look, choose this day whom you serve. If, if serving the Lord doesn't seem desirable, well, you know, you need to get a reality check. But choose this. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It's a bold declaration to make. He was determined on this course no matter what anyone else thought. And I believe that that is how we too are called to live. Determined, so determined on this course to serve the Lord, to pursue Him and walk before Him with faithfulness that we, care more, we worry more about what He thinks rather than what others think. Something that I've noticed, and I've noticed this in my own life as well, that you know, everyone wants to fit in. And I can understand that, you know, at school or at work or wherever it might be, social setting. Of course, everyone wants to fit in. But if we look at Scripture, we're not actually called to just fit in. We're not called to just go along with the crowd. We're called to be people who choose this day whom we'll serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And Joshua says here in, in, in chapter 24, sorry if you're in Titus now, and you've got to go back. But he says, you know, choose this day, whether it's the other gods, the gods in, of those in whose land you dwell, as for me and my house, we will serve. He's saying, don't just come so accustomed and familiar with the gods and the ways of the people of the land. Stand up, set apart, be, be set apart, be different. And for us, I believe as followers of Jesus, we can never become so accustomed with the ways and standards of this world that there is no difference between those who follow Jesus and those who don't. What does this look like for us? Well, many things. But I'm sure you've all been in circumstances where a bit of gossip just starts. You know, let me tell you this so you can pray for those people. Well, fitting in would be to go along with that but actually standing up and standing out would be to to shut it down or to direct the conversation elsewhere you know the world says if you're in a relationship it's fine to live together before marriage sleep together before marriage well standing up and standing out saying choose choosing this day whom you will serve it looks different than that it's honoring the lord and it's it's living in purity there's many other things that we could look at there in that space. I believe the Bible is very clear that we're called to be set apart. We're called to be a chosen people, the Bible says. In Philippians 2, it says that we're to shine like stars in the world in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. In Matthew 5, Jesus himself says that we're the light of the world, that a city on a hill can't be hidden. If you look at a city on the hill when you're driving past or flying in a plane at night or whatever, the city on a hill with all the lights doesn't just blend in to the hill. It doesn't just fit in. It stands out. So Therefore, let your light shine that others would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Choosing to let our light shine, that doesn't look like just fitting in to me. It's not just the easy, comfortable option. And, you know, being set apart or standing out or being different, that's not just um, something that looks like arrogance either. Aren't we great? Because No, that's not it at all. There needs to be that humility. It's only by grace that we are different. But there must be a difference, nonetheless. So let's choose to be a people who choose this day to shine brightly. To choose this day that we will serve the Lord. To choose this day that we would do away with or put away those things that need to go. Let's choose this day to be a people who worship and serve the Lord and Him only, to serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness, almost like a marker in the sand, you know? Now, this is how we are going to live as the people of God. And there's a wonderful prayer at the end of Psalm 139. And David writes, Search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me on the way everlasting. It's a lovely prayer, isn't it? It's a wonderful prayer to pray. But it's also a dangerous prayer to pray. Have you ever been in that situation where, Lord, search me. Search me and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And then he actually shows you. <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry, Lord, I need to make that right. You know, what if he highlights something for us? Will we be willing to make the adjustment, to put away if there are things that need to be put away? Will we be willing to actually reset or realign our hearts so that our focus is again in the right place on the Lord and Him only? 
Let me ask you this as I finish up this morning. Will you choose wisely? Choose this day whom you will serve. In light of who God is, in light of all that he's done, choose wisely today. Choose life. So as his people gathering here in Canberra, 2017, let's take hold of the charge that Joshua gave to the people of Israel many, many years ago. This charge that still speaks into our hearts and our lives today. We're called to live our lives in reverence. We're called to serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. And so how do we do this well? Well, a great place to start. Putting away idols. Those things that need to be put away. Those things that steal our heart's attention and devotion from the Lord. And from there, serving him. Serving the Lord with our whole hearts. And choosing this day and each day whom we will serve, to serve the Lord and put Him first. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we bring our service to a close? As always, if you'd like prayer for anything, in particular this morning, please come forward and receive prayer from the prayer team. But I, I just particularly want to give an invitation that if there's anything that the Lord's kind of been highlighting or just putting his finger on as you've been listening this morning, things that you know you need to get right before God, perhaps distractions or things that need to be put away or put aside. I would love to just invite you forward and you're welcome to come and receive prayer if you want someone to stand with you. Otherwise, if you want to just do business with God personally, you might like to just kneel before the Lord. So that's kind of the call this morning. And Lord, I thank you for your goodness, Lord, for your grace that enables us, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, as we go from here, that we would leave Encouraged, stirred up, challenged, Lord God, and with a deep desire in our hearts to live for your glory, to live for you alone, Lord God. I pray that we would be a people who are devoted to you, Lord God. We would be a wholehearted people who live in reverence and who serve you in sincerity and faithfulness, Lord God. I pray that your power at work in us would enable us to choose each day to serve you, to choose each day to put away those other things, to lay aside those other distractions, God, that can take away from our attention and devotion before you. Lord, let us be a people who stand up and say boldly and with determination, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord, we love you and we honor you. And I pray in this coming week we would be just so aware of your presence, Lord. Thank you for your power that's at work within us, Lord God. And help us this week, Lord. We're so in need of your help to live lives that bring glory to you. I bless each person here this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen.